Warning signs that might indicate a child's drift toward Satanism include abrupt emotional changes, changes in school habits, rejection of parental values, unusual interest in books on Satanism, black magic, or witchcraft, obsession with rock music groups using satanic symbols or references, rejection of friends, preference for being alone, meditation, chanting, use of new vocabulary, The Geraldo Rivera special, Devil Worship, will continue. All right, and what is up, post-Halloweeners? Welcome to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oh, what a what an apropos day to do this episode on. Black Sunday. Black Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, November 4th, 2018. Would have loved to have done this episode on Halloween, but I knew I kind of knew that wasn't going to happen. My life's been very busy. Mike's my co-host, Mike, Mm -hmm. his life has probably been busy, I would assume. Uh, Yes, we don't. Like I said before, we put our curlers in our hair, put on our robes and go to our respective trailers after the podcasting is over. (laughs) We do not talk again until the next podcast. So uh yeah, before we get into all things Satan, how how's your life been treating you, Mike? It's been alright. Uh, you know, hours at work have been pretty slim. I mean, I've been working eight hours a week. Damn. That's, Which yeah, it's that's not like much. Fucking chunk um, change. Yeah. So buybacks is hiring and I'm in the process of filling out an application. I'll drop it out and drop it off on Monday. I filled out, I've filled out t- plenty of applications for that place before and never gotten anything back in return. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It's worth a shot. I mean, I that's like a dream job for me to work at that store because I know that store like the back of my own hand, except for what's going on in the back because, of course, I, I'm not allowed back there. Now, what but, is buybacks um, for people who don't buybacks know? Buybacks is... Uh, is a regional uh dvd blu-ray and a game resale store oh okay so you can buy used copies of dvds and blu-rays and stuff like that you can sell uh your copies to the store and yeah i've gotten countless of things countless things from there it's been like a place where i go like if i need to to relax or something take my mind off of things just go over there and browse for a couple hours or whatever i i don't always come away with anything sometimes i just like browse and don't get a thing don't get uh and other times i do i you know but they have some decent deals sometimes they're a bit absurd but it is what it is. Yeah, we I have mean, a place like that in Jacksonville actually called Video Game Rescue, and it's a retro video yeah. game store. And yeah, I do the same thing. I just go in there, and you know, some I, I've spent hundreds of dollars in there over the years, but then sometimes I go in there and I don't buy anything, and I just look at yeah. what they have. Mm-hmm. I just like seeing that old those old games. You know, it just makes I just me- like seeing you know DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff like that, and and getting a wider selection of titles that other resale stores and other retail stores aren't providing me. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, because- as as much as um as as much as society keeps going towards everything being like like immaterial and and eliminating physical copies of everything. Unfortunately, they can't make us not physical. We as human beings mm-hmm. are physical beings and we always fucking will be. So as much as 
uh, it seems like society and in the tech industry is just gearing everything towards not having a physical existence anymore and everything being on some kind of mother brain in the sky. Well, guess what? We're always going to be physical copies and you can never uh, digitize us. So it makes... Speaking of mother brain, do you remember mother brain uh, as uh, featured in uh, Captain N? Of course, what a, of course not, Mike. What a but, creepy but thank ass, you, weird. But thank you for derailing the point I was trying to make by some <laughs> obscure ass movie reference that only you've no, seen. No, it wasn't a movie reference. It's a reference to that show I thought you'd be familiar with, Captain N, no. the Game Master. No, I, I have no you idea. Know, what an you. '80s cartoon with Nintendo characters. No, but my point that my my soapbox <laughs> that I was standing on that you just kicked <laughs> out from underneath my feet as I'm dusting myself off right now. My point is that I think as as physical beings we like to see physical shit and it's cool going into places like buybacks and video game rescue Mm -hmm. because you get to eyeball a physical thing that exists you know a game that you can hold in your hand or uh like a music store we can hold a cd back in the day or a record in your hand it's a it's a tangible connection you know it's something that you can actually uh touch and feel and connect with um I don't really see the same connection, especially because you don't really have a physical connection with a digital copy. You you just don't. You can't actually make that sort of connection with it. So I think there is something to be said about there is some sort of psychological or subconscious thing that happens when you hold something that is physical, that, that is tangible, that you can grasp, that you can feel. And I, I think a lot of people are missing that because they got and, and, and you see a lot more stuff, too, even with school books and stuff like that, where it's online and so on and so forth, or it's a digital copy. And for books, especially, I can't stand reading shit on a computer. I really can't. I'm sorry. It seems like every time I try to do that, the the interface that they have for the book is shitty and it's difficult it's a really pain in the ass to read it and pdfs i'm okay with but i would prefer i I still to this day i print them off i i I really do um because i'd rather you know read it as if it was a book or uh, any other handout versus on my computer it's just one of those things. Um, I feel like the robots uh, who are eventually going to take over are going to use this particular podcast against <laughs> me when they come after me. Yeah. They're going to use... Did you the- hear about the robots? Speaking of robots, did you hear about Amazon is considering... Uh, actually, they're going to hire less employees this holiday season because they're going to have robots do more work. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I can't, you know, it's like, what can I say? I sh- I do most of my shopping at on Amazon if I'm buying any like real, like significant things. So I mean, I'm part of the I problem. Do, I do too. Uh, but a lot of the time I try to get stuff in the wild because especially with older DVDs and Blu-rays, like it's just, there's just something about the thrill of the hunt that you don't get when you're, when you find it on Amazon. Yeah, it's very true. EBay. Although I will say, like, flea Although mo- eBay have had some good deals. I remember that one time I was doing the podcast with you. We had a little break. I checked eBay. <laughs> and then I got Bizarre Murders, the Bizarre Murders box set off of eBay, brand new for some ridiculously cheap price, like a little bit over 20 bucks shipped that I've never seen ever again. 
So sometimes that happens on eBay, but very rarely. Rarer, rarer and rarer these days. Uh, you used to be able to get some really good deals on video games and stuff too. And uh, Craigslist is a big one that's dried the fuck up, I've noticed as well. I used yep. to get some great deals off Craigslist for games, but now, you know, everyone knows exactly what they have. And, and because of the news uh-huh. articles that have come out, you know, now grandmas and shit who don't know shit about video games, they think their shit, everything they own is every video game it's, they own is worth a hundred dollars. Yeah, it, it's like, it's like that, uh, that article that was shared a while back about the diamond, uh, classic VHS Disney films. And they were all like, look how expensive these are. And then really, they're not worth that much at all. Are you talking about the ones with like the clamshell plastic cases? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not really worth anywhere near as much as those articles were saying they were. It was because they were looking at some like really inflated, ridiculous eBay sale. Yeah, I remember that article because, you know, like everybody was freaking out because everybody had those kind of clamshell Disney VHS tapes growing up. So everyone was like, oh, we're all millionaires now. And it's like, no, stupid. That's not how rarity and and (laughs) like, you know, how uh, high priced items work. That's not how that works. If everybody has the rare thing, guess what? It's not fucking rare. Because at, at, at best... If you had a copy of like the original Rescuers that had that one scene in it where the animator put in a naked uh, topless gal in the window in the corner somewhere or uh, the Little Mermaid tape with the penis spire or whatever on the cover. <laughs> penis spire. Yeah, I've seen all. Yeah, that was like that was like one of the first few things I did on the Internet mm-hmm. back in the day was I looked up like the myths and legends of. You know, like the these these Disney, like you know, in the Lion King, there's apparently a trail of dust in some scene, and as it blows away, it's in the sky. Oh, it spells out the word "gay" or something. No, it's supposed to spell "sex," but actually, it's SFX because it was a reference to the special effects team. It really doesn't say "sex" at all. Oh, it's just one of those things where people are seeing what they want to see, right? Well, hey, in tying into that, seeing what you want to see, people can also believe what they want to believe and perceive uh-huh. what they want to perceive, which is all what yep. this episode is about. It's a bunch of people looking at things through a a scope of which they want to look at it. And for this case, uh, for this this episode, I should say, uh, we are going off of a, when was this taped? The late 80s? 1988. 1988. 1988 Geraldo Rivera special on Satanic Panic. Called Devil Worship. Exposing Satan's Underground. Yes. And this is this this is during the heat, the dog days of Satanic Panic. Um You had the McMartin preschool trial that was going on that was just infamous at the time. That was supposedly detailing like hundreds of of abuse cases of children and there was a satanic uh bent to it according to the people that you know the parents and so on and so forth it's also coming off the heels of the pmrc um the the whole porn rock thing and satanism in rock and the hair metal and all that of the 80s Mm -hmm. so you know and three years earlier 2020 did a uh episode about the same thing uh, that was aired in uh, 1985. So, and on that, our good friend, 
the the uh, Satanism uh, police expert guy who was in uh, Paradise Lost, who was part of the prosecution uh, in uh, the West Memphis Three case. Like he was actually in that. He was featured on that. Oh, and, and, and as we know, that guy is very proud of his TV accolades, as he pointed yeah, out in Paradise yeah, Lost. Yeah, he pointed out in Paradise Lost. So, um, I'm, I'm looking up the guy's name real quick, because I, I just want to make sure, like, um, I'm trying to remember who, he was a police officer who was the Satanist expert. The, sa- the Satanist expert, yeah, I mean, yeah. after- Dale. Dale. Dale? Dale was his name. Okay. Yeah, Dale. Again, Mike, you should really try just making up random names and going with it like it's, you know, I, I really don't think anyone's going to check us on any of this stuff. <laughs> no, it was uh, Timmy. It was it was Tom. It was Logan McSkeeter Kleinfelter Schmidt. <laughs> um, yeah. I well, I mean, know. I think that's what they kind of did for some of these uh, people who were interviewed in this special. Um but some of them didn't I don't even think it was actually the real names like these kind of shows like this Geraldo show so like when it comes on I'm watching the show and it is just late 80s early 90s magic in it like magic just, uh, just magic in the sense of how fucking I guess you look at it now and, and you go wow that is dated as fuck I mean the uh-huh. happy the happy synthesizer intro as he's talking about the, the Satanism. The intro is hilarious because it's like it starts out really foreboding and it's all about devil worship and exposing Satan's underground. And then the music sounds like it's from some your everyday uh, uh, news broadcast. Here, I have a clip right here of uh, one of of one of the music cues from the Geraldo show when it comes in. Like, you got to hear this fucking music. I'm gonna put up to the mic here. Hopefully, it comes through. Ramirez and Manson are the all stars in the halls of infamy, but the vast majority of these rich. That is not setting us up for. I mean, they had it right at the very beginning because they were. You're right. They were playing this ominous music as they're setting up like the teaser for the show for this two fucking hour show. This is a behemoth of a show, and they're just you know they're setting up their narrative, their the picture that they're painting. And then they go, but da 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 Like, reminded me some, like, fucking, welcome back to the 2017 PGA Open. My name is Gary Gitchell, you know, like, uh, and, and, like, what kind of fuck music? Uh, the music cues are all wrong. It's uh, so, mo- like, schizophrenic <laughs> with the music on this on this show. Well, there was even one point in one of the breaks in the middle of the show where they started out with ominous music. And then they went, da 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 Folks, I've said it before, and I'll fucking say it again. If I was just into Unsolved Mysteries because of nostalgia, then I would like a lot of other bad, like, shitty-ass TV shows as well. But the fact is, it just keeps showing me time after time how Unsolved Mysteries was and remains to be a cut above. And what's ironic about this is that there were advertisements... For unsolved mysteries. Oh, I wet my pants during this in excitement when I'm watching this shitty ass, just dated fucking 
You know those those coffee cups, those free coffee cups with that jazz. I think was that that jazz design where it's got the little little squiggles and the the pastel splotches mm-hmm. and just that generic design. That was like the entire like design aesthetic of like the late '80s and early '90s. Just that that really. There's a name for that design. I hope everyone knows what I'm talking about. But like that was like everywhere. All the graphics on the TV shows, on the teasers to TV shows, it was these like pastels and these squiggly black lines and shit and just these like hounds tooth backgrounds and these like fake digitized marble backgrounds as they have uh-huh. I'm like looking at this shit going like with my photoshop skills I could totally be a graphic designer for the if I could go back in time but still be the same age and have the same knowledge and same exact technology that only I apparently would have because no one else would have a computer from 2018 i could totally work on these shows as a graphic designer easily like this art style i'm looking at like oh man that's just like a fucking all you got to do is like a background layer and then like a drop shadow oh this is so easy to do like i can yeah i could be i can do that too yeah i could be an 80s or (laughs) 90s level graphic designer and totally get a job working for primetime television shows unfortunately they've come a long way since then and now i totally couldn't but you know, it's just it's, it's nice to see that I have the same chops as uh, mainstream graphic designers did of this time period. <laughs> but it's not even just the aesthetic. It's the um, Geraldo himself. I mean, Geraldo it was like the the key cheese ball like interview guy, like for these kind of like shock sensationalized talk shows. I mean, I remember these kind of talk shows being on in the living room of my grandma's house. And, you know, you'd have someone like Geraldo come on and be like, you know, tonight we will be talking about satanic cults, the sacrifice of animals and what it could mean for your small children. And it's just like this. This dude is playing is hamming this shit up like times 10 and. You gotta, like, I just remember, like, these are the kind of shows that, like, you know, my aunts and grandmas would just gasp at, you know? Like, he'd be like, satanic rituals involving children. I can just hear my, <laughs> the gasps of my grandma right now, like, <gasps> <gasps> and it's like, you know, this is so outrageous and this is so uh, antithetical to my way of living, yet they're fucking watching it. Yet you're he watching says, it. Geraldo says something later in the special. He says it, it's outrageous. It's 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 absurd. It's ridiculous, or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. Are you talking about the special? Because <laughs> that's a- <laughs> well, the, the, it is outrageous. I just think it's funny that like America has this puritanical kind of like uh, quote unquote moral fiber that they yeah. pretend to like masquerade and put out for their neighbors Well, when you watch this special you know the mindset of people that wrongfully accused and believe that people like the west memphis three were responsible for horrific crimes well like you totally understand well too when you watch like this. my whole thing is it's like you you people are watching this shit like you're watching all about and you're not watching it to educate yourself on Satanism because they could have made a show where they're trying to educate people about Satanism. They could have made it very sterile and very well, no, no, matter no. of fact. No, they, they could have, but that's not the point. See, I, I read something somewhere where Geraldo, uh, it, it, the whole premise was to get teenagers to watch this because teen, you know, and you can kind of see it when they're saying like teenagers are the most impressionable 
Well, my point, uh, my point is, is that they make it, they make it sensationalized, and like Susie Homemaker back in the day, they were entertained by this extreme, you know, this extremism, the the the, the extreme stories, the graphic, well, yeah. the graphic descriptions. So my point is, is like we're not as morally on this high ground as a country as as we think we are, because we find no. entertainment in this kind of stuff. Because this was a mainstream program that probably did really well, well in the ratings. Well, it actually did. It, it, it broke records. It was a record-setting special right. for, for NBC. But it didn't make that much money, though, because a lot of uh, advertisers pulled out. Well, I they mean... like, we re- don't want to regardless have our the, product the, associated with Satan. The litmus test of, you know... Are Americans entertained, you know, by because, you know, this I watch this in the pure in a very like hipster, ironic, you know, kind <laughs> of like so bad it's good. And I got that kind of entertainment out of it. But at the time, moms and dads all over the, you know, country, they were watching this shit because it was entertaining. They uh, well, they, no, well, not, I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, th- that's there is some truth to that. But I did read somewhere where there really weren't. I mean. They didn't get that much replay. You know, it's not like they replayed this as like an encore or they they didn't get that many calls or anything either from parents or anyone. Like they had one person call the network. So it wasn't like it was like that big of a thing. And then at the same time, there were even people who were like calling out how like ridiculous and half-assed and bullshit this was. Even people, you know, who were... Uh, in in uh, the media at the time, were pointing out how sensationalist and ridiculous this special was, and what what I was trying to say earlier is that this special was made purposely to appeal to people with the mindset of a thirteen year old. So maybe there are some parents out there and some adults that you know had thirteen year old mindsets. Obviously, uh, I'm just saying the whole uh, sensationalized. Make sure you put your children away for what we're about to show because yeah, it will yeah. give them bad dreams. He literally yeah, says it yeah. will give small children bad dreams. Nightmares, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, dude, you know, that is is clickbaity, you know, to use modern but lingo. But that's Geraldo. That's what he was known for. That's yeah. what he did. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just funny to me like that. Like, he... He was Jerry Springer before Jerry Springer. Right, exactly. And that's what kind of show this was to me, was a Jerry Springer-type-esque show. Because you got, you got, you know, satanic church leader sitting next to, you know, an uh, some investigator for one of these crimes and some priest, you know, who's talking <laughs> about how demon possession is very real and this, that, and the other. And it's yeah. just like, you know, just your typical... It's been yeah, it, good old Satanist expert Tom Wedge. <laughs> Tom Wedge. Yeah. Uh, Who looked like he couldn't wedge himself into anywhere because he's so fucking fat. Oh, yeah. is that that guy? <laughs> oh, the guy who was sitting next to the kid, the teenager. Yeah. Um, oh, what the fuck was his name? I had it on here somewhere. Yeah, the te- Sean Sellers. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was like the whitest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> Like yes, he was fat, but he was fat in like a different way. Like he was, he was, <laughs> he was wide as, as shit. Because yeah, there's a point in this show where Geraldo is I- interviewing. He this. actually looked like a wedge of iceberg lettuce. You know that type of you know when you go to a fancy restaurant and they you ask for a salad and they give you a wedge of lettuce like that. That's him. Yeah. So so th- th- like. Th- 
Geraldo's interviewing this teenager, Sean Sellers, who's like a convicted murderer. And well, we can we can get to the. We but can I just, get I'm to just going to throw this in real quick. And so Sean's talking, and then all of a sudden, you hear this voice off camera, and the camera has to pan over to this this guy, and he's saying the murder was pledging an allegiance to Satan. And it's ta- it's like this expert in Satanism, but this guy is so fucking large. He looks like he's an expert in trans fats, is what I think <laughs> he's an expert in. Like, this fucking dude, Satan did not give him the power to say no or to put down a fork. Like, yeah, so anyway, um, I, I'm just making sure if that's... Oh, there's another thing I wanted to point out here, too, about this show. So, of course, they go into the whole blaming heavy metal and all that and we'll probably get more into that down the road but they sh- they start off by showing like a king diamond concert who's you know this pr- self-professed satanist and it's showing like the kids like they're interviewing the kids at this metal show and, and i don't know what it is why were these metal heads or these kids who are into metal of the 80s and 90s so fucking dumb like every <laughs> interview i've ever seen where they're interviewing like kids outside of a Metallica concert or whatever, they're just like, yeah, no, man, you know, they're saying the heavy metal is, like, bad, but, you know, I'm just here to fucking party, man, and, like, there's some hot shit. Well, there was that one guy who said something really uh, profound, I thought, where he's saying, and and, and there's actually, uh, I'll, I'll mention that later, but there was one, one uh, heavy metal fan who they interviewed who nailed it. I just thought it was funny just how dumb like all these like metalheads always come across and I'm just like you know what these I think You know what they might have picked the those guys specifically you know those individuals Oh yeah I'm sure yeah the power the of editing you can make anybody in any situation look any way you want but I'm thinking to myself like these people grew up and had kids and now these kids are like listening to like little yachty and you know (laughs) all these like trap rappers so it's like well dumb begets dumb i guess just a different kind of dumb now but um yeah wild assumptions from josh yep uh, absolutely man What would this podcast so, be without that? Right from the get-go, this special starts off on the wrong foot. Not only with the intro, with the goofy like music that sounds like it's going to play before your but local da, but da, news broadcast. Da, 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 da. Sorry, it's stuck in my head now. <laughs> so, um, they start uh, playing a bunch of different uh, footage from like heavy metal concerts and stuff. And they play Looks That Kill, which that's about a hot girl. Okay, and it's a Motley Crue song, and I'm like, you know, there's a Motley Crue song called Shout at the Devil. (laughs) Why did you not use that song? Why are you using Looks That Kill? There's there's nothing satanic about Looks That Kill. I mean, it's it's either about a prostitute, musician Lita Ford, or his mother. (laughs) It's not about fucking the devil. It's it's not about the devil or fucking the devil. Okay, I was gonna say, yeah. Well, is it about you know? <laughs> is it about it? Because it, it could be not about fucking the devil. It could just be about like maybe having tea with the devil, <laughs> playing a game uh, of golf with the devil. But okay, I'm glad you made. Why that would you be shouting at the devil in that instance? Well, I mean, be devil's advocate. No pun intended. Wow, that just <laughs> God, that just did not 
And I just said God. What the hell? I just said hell. Stop it. Stop it with the puns. God, my my fucking brain won't stop giving me puns. Um, to to be an advocate of sorts, uh, shout at the devil. I I guess could be as seen as like, yeah, you're shouting at him to make him go away because he's bad or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but they they didn't play shout at the devil. They pl- played the looks. Well, kill. that's what I'm saying. They didn't play it because it could no. could have been seen as like a a anti devil mm-hmm. song, and it, and that didn't fit their narrative, which they're clearly setting up with this whole thing. They're they are setting a narrative that that anything associated with Satanism or, or or rock music or anything like that is is all bad. Yeah. So. Uh, before we go even further, I want to thank Nick Perron, who wrote this really well-researched series of blog posts exposing this uh, special, which I'm going to be using a decent amount of information he culled uh, f- for this particular podcast. Uh, it, the the blog is called Trouble City. It's actually got some cool stuff on it, so definitely give it a check. Give it a look-see. Um, anyway... So you have the whole intro with talking about Motley Crue and and all this other shit. And apparently, you know, so Geraldo Rivera is standing there and he's telling people that the fear of Satanism is real. And that there are satanic organizations that are trying to recruit children into their rituals all over America. And then he points to heavy metal music as one of the gateways to Satanism, of course. Um... Now, this is an actual quote uh, that is from uh, Kenneth Lanning, an FBI investigator on satanic ritual abuse uh, from 1992. There are many possible alternative answers to the question of why victims are alleging things that don't seem to be true. I believe there is a middle ground, a continuum of possible activity. Some of what the victims allege may be true and accurate, and some may be misperceived or distorted, and some may be screened as symbolic, and some may be contaminated or false. The problem and challenge, especially for law enforcement, is to determine which is which. This can only be done through active investigation, and I believe that the majority of victims alleging ritual abuse are in fact victims of some form of abuse or trauma, but it's not necessarily satanic abuse. It's kind of like how there were some people who would say that they were abducted by aliens, but then you would find out later that it was just more of traditional abuse that was just kind of morphed into alien abduction stories uh and in some cases too they were also fed information from you know their their hypnotist or whatever and especially with satanic uh you know the satanic ritual abuse stuff there were a lot of people who were just legitimately mentally ill or just were really abused and there were also some kids they were coached they were coached by their parents to say these wild stories. And and Josh and I know about it because, you know, we covered a couple cases from Unsolved Mysteries that dealt with this kind of thing. Yeah. Where the parents or the grandparents would be coaching the kids to say that they were abused by their parents and there were satanic rituals going on and so on and so forth. So Geraldo talks about how heavy metal music is heavily focused on satanic imagery he talks about how most kids who listen to heavy metal don't worship Satan, but some do. And then he interviews some guy named some kid named Spike, who has these really fucking terrible tattoos. <laughs> and he comes across like a total lunkhead. 
Spike? Yeah. I don't remember him. <laughs> yeah. So Spike, he's from Kansas City, and he starts talking about how uh he, he uh I'm trying to remember exactly what he was saying. So he was like talking about how he you know, he was a former Satanist and he did some bad shit. You know, he's just talking about all these other fucking, you know, ridiculous shit, you know, about like he was a former Satanist and he did all these things. That just sounds like a fucking teenager who's bored and just talking about a bunch of shit he he probably didn't do, but just wants to be on camera. So then you have Geraldo who's talking about. Ozzy Osbourne and Motley Crue and he also goes on and cuts to some more people are interviewed like there's these two kids called Joe and Kim who are talking about how they cut themselves and drank blood but this one girl Kim like she's talking about how you know we her, her we I and my friend you know we would do violence with blood and we would eat blood and we would drink blood. And it's just like eat blood. Like, what are you waiting for it to coagulate and then eating it? Like what? I mean, what, what are you doing? Like, are you eating blood? Are you drinking blood? Mike, get, Mike getting like, hung up on the semantics. And, but no, but it's actually, I mean, there, there's a big difference between the two. Mike, that, that, that is like dangerously close to the uh, comic book guy on the Simpsons who, uh, no, it isn't. points out, uh, <laughs> it isn't, it's actually, I mean, when you're trying to have a interview with someone who's supposed to be some legit Satanist or whatever, like, come on. I would um, like to, uh, reference it. Cause you talked about how he had on Ozzy. I don't know mm -hmm. how he got Ozzy to agree to be a part of that shit. Ozzy was not sober for like his entire life, basically. So I don't. I mean, I guess Sharon was. I think he was probably high when he did this well, interview. He was, but he was, undoubtedly, he was high. Um, but I, he was still pretty intelligent. And, I thought. And I, I guess thought... Sharon wasn't around to like like eighty six that that whole idea of Ozzy appearing on this show. But Geraldo's like. Ben's just such a douche. He's he's like talking mm -hmm. to Ozzy and he's like, you know, don't you feel, you know, uh, how does it make you, how do you respond to these kids who, you know, most of them have been shown to listen to your music and this, that, and the other. And how does that make you feel? And then Ozzy, who should never be a spokesperson for anything, by the way. I don't know why anybody would ever think it's a. I actually now I do know why because he's he's completely out of it and he can. But and he's, here he's like the the I, best. Let me finish my thought. He's yeah. like the best person to get to like. Well, let's you know to di basically discredit heavy metal. Let's get some burnout druggy you know from this like huge band onto the show and we will totally discredit. You know he will he will totally like make the like heavy metal seem but it backfired in Geraldo's face i i completely I and would, totally i wouldn't say so i wouldn't say it why, backfired why? in his face i would say uh, why not because he, Geraldo was saying all these things he was trying to grill him and ozzy even though he might have been a little bit high he still made a lot of legitimately good points well the first thing he said and, he responds to uh, to the whole 
what do you think about the fact that most people listen to your music when it comes to, you know, these murders, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, I can't, I don't really know. All I do is make music. I don't sit down and purposely plan to freak everyone out. I always played heavy metal music. I suppose when I was younger and I started writing songs, my world was dark and dingy. I came from a working class family and never had any prospect of having any money. Not all my songs are about Satanism. See? It's not exactly a zinger, though, Mike. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, but it doesn't have to be a zinger. Like, because also, you have to think, have this in mind, too. On this type of show, you don't have that much time to speak. And Geraldo would repeatedly, in other instances with other people who were very intelligent, a lot more intelligent than than Ozzy, no offense to Ozzy, he would try to cut them off as well. So it's one of those things where I, I don't I, I don't think he he proved anything. I don't think I don't I don't think the interview with Ozzy showed that Geraldo was right. If anything, Ozzy is there halfway high talking about how ridiculous this whole thing is, talking about how he feels like he's persecuted, which is true, he is. He's a, and and so are other bands by these over the top claims and beliefs that these parents have that the heavy metal music is is evil and shit like that. If he had had someone and, like D Snyder on there from Twisted Sister like during that whole like the whole Yeah, but, uh, Congre- but D probably said fuck you. I'm not Oh going yeah, on well this, no, no, they this, were probably too show. they were probably too afraid to have him on there because he is so well spoken. D Snyder being the lead singer of the band yeah, Twisted Sister. Yeah, but for for as high as Ozzy probably was, I thought he put together some fairly articulate sentences. His, his, which completely backfired in Geraldo's face because he was probably thinking he was just going to be like fucking unable to say anything with any sort of coherence. Well, I think it would have backfired in his face if if Ozzy had said something like, you know, I, I look, man, I make a product. The children choose to buy the product. I'm he kind of already said he I'm did not say making something music, like that later in the- you know, that's. I, I write whatever I write. If you want to derive satanic stuff out of it, that's on you. That's not my problem. But he did. He, I mean, I guess he did say it to a certain extent. He did say that at a certain extent. Where he's saying like, I do. I have talked. I have uh, saying about Satan a few times in my lyrics and so on and so forth. But I don't do. That's not what all that I do and so on and so forth. So he there were uh, quite a few snippets of the interview where i feel he did do that so i think it's just one of those things where we're we're kind of not seeing eye to eye here and that's okay well that, I, I just the, don't the, think the second uh, the second exchange with geraldo and ozzy is is when geraldo straight up asks ozzy um do you feel response any responsibility uh towards what these kids have done and ozzy says the only re- responsibility i feel is that i'm a true musician in what i play i don't want to make people start doing all this devil worship crap I don't want anyone yeah. to har- uh, to harm themselves. And he says, do you feel guilty? And, he, and Geraldo says, do you feel guilty? And he goes, I don't feel guilty. I feel kind of persecuted by everyone. My intentions aren't to harm anyone. When people come to my concerts, I want them to have a good time and enjoy themselves. A lot of times, people judge the book by its cover, and they don't know what they're talking about. Yep. And yeah, you know... Um, <laughs> Again, is Ozzy the most articulate, well-spoken person? And no, and no, he's not. And 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 I, 
I'm reading this just based on the transcript. Of course, if I did it like Ozzy, it'd be like, oh, I feel guilty, I feel kind of persecuted. I want my intentions not to harm anyone when people come to my conscience. I want them to have a good time. Enjoy he, said, he sounded a lot better than that. Uh, like, he wasn't as slurry. He was, you know, he's your typical Ozzy slurriness, but... The fact is, is like, yes, Geraldo and all that, they're deriving more from all of this than than what is actually probably there. And I think Ozzy, as high as he was and how he has lived his, most of his life as a rock star, I think Ozzy lived in more of the real world than Geraldo did at that point. Yeah, because, you know, definitely. now that it, because there's a there's a quote that I actually wrote down from this. Um, this program where Geraldo goes, Satanism is not a harmless fad or passing phase. And I just wrote, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There there were so many moments in this where my eyes were just rolling so much that I was afraid they were going to like roll so far that they'd roll into the back of my head. I mean, it is one of those those specials that you have to take a break from because you're just like this is so fucking ridiculous and no no yeah i my I, I feel, my, I feel eyes, like a, my eyes rolled so back in, into my head i saw my brain and it was flicking me <laughs> off for watching this fucking show <laughs> i i feel like uh steve carell in the office while watching this sometimes where you're just like no 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 because it's so true. But I mean, it, like, it, no, it, it, it was a it fad, is. though. I mean, Satanism and all that shit. It, well, that that is true. But I'm just talking about from all these other things that that the special was was uh, showing and trying to display as truths. It was just like this is not true. Like my my exhibit A of of this whole thing being a fad was at one point in, in this program they get to the story of three boys in Missouri, which doesn't that sound familiar already? Who they actually sacrificed a cat and beat some kid dead. And one of the boys' names was Peter Rowland. And um, he was interviewed in jail. And uh, he was asked, you know, what compels you to Satanism? And he says, power. Power comes with girls and money. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, and y you can just... Because this is like, you really think you're going to get girls? <laughs> well, you can look at the guy and you can just see that this guy is clearly... You know, he was the hunk. He was the attractive football player. He was the popular douche who was jumping on board of a trend. And Satan was trendy in the late 80s and early 90s. This is the same jock who would have, like, went to see a Rush concert in 1981 when their p most popular album, Moving Pictures, came out. He's just one of these bandwagon jumping douches. And then, but he killed a kid. Right. <laughs> yeah, in this case, it... Uh, and you know he was I mean, he was a bandwagon jumping douche who also had mental. I, I don't illness. I don't think it's just a bandwagon. I think he, part of it was that, but I also think this is just another guy who's clearly got some sort of issues. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this is like the same you know sociopath like jock douche who would like rape a woman in his fraternity and think that it's okay. You know, like he has you know there's a certain kind of mental illness that yeah. uh, afflicts people in certain positions of power in society with societal capital. You know, they mm -hmm. also happen to be mentally ill, so they take advantage of it. And sometimes it's, whether it's raping uh, somebody or killing them or something like that. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of mental health, uh, going back to like the, the whole uh, 
the kids who were talking about cutting themselves and drinking blood and stuff like that. That's a that is a clear example of non-suicidal forms of self-harm and like this is stuff that you should be sending these kids to a mental health professional not fucking putting them on camera with digitized pixels over their faces and put their words out there as if they're like proof of satanic uh rituals and sacrifice and other shit in a small town it's like these are kids who are need help and here's Geraldo just fucking throwing them out there and just using their words just as just exactly what the point of the special is. It's sensational. Clickbait, you know, to again, Clickbait, to use a modern day term. Sure. But I mean, it's just such a good all encompassing term. You know, it's, it, I guess it relates a little better than. And, uh, and he said, I was talking about like, oh, you know, it's because they're into Satan that they're doing this. Well, Christians do this too. Like there are people from all different types of religions who self-harm themselves. It's not just a satanic thing. Also, I mean, he goes on and continues to talk about the metal, heavy metal music, and he shows Wasp and in, in their part where the the part of the concert when Blackie Lawless is like drinking blood out of a skull. It's it's theatrics. It's not. There's nothing true behind that. It's not like Blackie Lawless is is an actual Satanist. And wants to fucking drink the blood of the living. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't have Kiss in there too with uh with uh Gene Simmons when he used to like spit blood all over the place. And they interviewed this guy named Lou, and this guy just sounds like he's high and it's just a high bored teenager or some kid who just needs help. He's just it needs to go to rehab. Because he's talking about he got turned on to Satan because of drugs and alcohol. He says it was marijuana. It was a gateway drug to the devil. Yeah, it almost sounds like straight out of like a Ronald Reagan like war on drugs like like pre-written script that they gave the kid. Yeah. Like like read this script and it'll cut down on your community service, you little shit. You know. Exactly. Marijuana was a gateway drug that got me into satanism and Metallica <laughs> helped. <laughs> so, then they show King Diamond and they they show uh, some footage of him getting ready for a concert, and they actually inter they show a little interview with him, and he sounds really articulate, and he's talking about how he says that people are too clever to be influenced by entertainment. He says that if people were not were that gullible, they would just need to turn on the news since that shows all the real horror in the world. Which is a which is goes, the truest statement ever. Yes. Mm-hmm. He also says that he's not a, that he is a Satanist, but he doesn't push his view on others. And then Bar Geraldo fires back with bull. <laughs> oh, Geraldo, man, he is just a ham and a half. Like he's talking <laughs> to this one guy who's in jail, and um, where is it at? He's talking about um. Oh, gotta find this quote. Okay, so. It's this guy named Charles Gervais, and he was a convicted mm -hmm. murderer. And Geraldo's like, um, he's like, why did you hammer that person in Satan's name? Did you really think you would receive 10,000 souls? And then, you know, the guy's like, I can't really talk about my case. And then he goes, listen, I want to hear about these 10,000 souls, buster. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
Like he's, what was he like a fucking television dad angry at his like television son for not, you know, for, for, for smoking a, a marijuana cigarette, you know, like it's like, it's like, dude, Geraldo, nobody takes you seriously or maybe at the time they did. But now I'm looking at this going, dude, you are clearly a, a farcical character playing a role right now. Yeah, just be like, you, King Diamond says something that's so true, and he's like, bull! And then he says that your his lyrics state that the, contra- the contrary, because they talk about violence and death. Yeah, you know, honestly, like, you know, teenagers, they rebel against the establishment. They rebel against their parents. They rebel against the status quo. Putting on a show where you have fucking mustache dad Geraldo calling people buster <laughs> I mean nothing would make me want to turn to Satanism quicker than watching a show like that like like okay I could listen to heavy metal music and like fucking wear guy liner or I could like hang out with Geraldo and all his lame ass fucking housewife audience you know like <laughs> I don't know not, not that difficult of a choice for me so so Geraldo then interviews a bunch of teenagers at a concert. They all say Satanism has nothing to do with the concerts and it's just entertainment. And then one kid says something that's rather poignant. He says, it's the parents that are screwing their kids up. Bingo. And he's right. Geraldo, of course, keeps soldiering on like, you know, he does, you know, on, on some sick mustache ride. And he goes on to say that the teenage acts of Satanism are on the rise in the United States. But he, but as usual in the special, as you will start to notice, if you ever decide to watch this, that there are no facts or figures, stats, statistics, percentage, nothing to explain what he means by that. There are so many claims that are made in the special, and so many of them are, are, don't even have anything that backs them up. It's just, well, this happened, or, or this this horrible thing happened or, or this is what this is. And then it's just like, come on. So then it continues and Geraldo goes to, uh, Louisiana. He's even, uh, sitting on the front of a gator boat, you know, going around, going through the swamps. He's trying to prove that there's some satanic conspiracy that's going on in America. And he, Goes with the Southern Louisiana police officer, although they don't really tell for sure who this guy is. For all we know, it could just be a fucking security guard or an actor. They go to this grave site, and the guy's talking about how the people responsible for the grave robberies, grave robberies, they take the finger bones from the right hand to turn into a necklace. And so Geraldo is then trying to look at this as if it's some proof of satanic... uh, rituals going on in louisiana but in louisiana there there is a large percentage of individuals who practice voodoo so if anything if there is something like that happening it's voodoo not satanism but an an even better explanation and a more obvious one is it's fucking grave robbers there are 31 historic cemeteries in new orleans they are frequent targets for people who go in and rob the graves to try to find valuable items. What what hand normally has a ring on it, Josh? The right one? Yes, exactly. And that's the finger bone that's missing. Hmm. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I talked to this guy uh, at this place that I frequent, um, and, and I thought he was pretty cool, or he was okay at the very least. Okay, I'll be honest. I was talking to the guy because I felt like the the day that he finally shows up with a gun and starts mass shooting everyone, he'll spare me because I was cool to him. That's the, kind of the vibe this kid gave me. But as I started talking to him, he started getting into about like how he would like and he was, you know, talking about like, you know, like, yeah, man, like, you know, I've like I've like robbed graves before, man. Like I've opened up graves and, you know, this, that and the other. And at that point, I was like, OK, get the fuck away from me. You are human garbage. Like, fuck yourself, man. And ever since then, I, I haven't talked to him like I, I like. I think people who rob rob graves are like some of the lowest. That's like one of the lowest things you could fucking do. Like that's just so yeah. disrespectful. But anyway, mm -hmm. I digress. <clears throat> so then he goes to New Iberia, Louisiana, where he showcases all of the satanic graffiti. <laughs> he shows this crossbones, the skull and crossbones, which is the lamest skull and crossbones I've ever seen in my life. It's not scary. I'm not gonna lie, it's... I thought it was gonna be a dick when he when it was panning over. I yeah. was like, oh my god, they're accidentally <laughs> gonna show a dick because you know that's like they don't. They yeah. probably don't want to. It doesn't fit into their narrative. But like the number two popular graffiti is, is a penis. Yeah. Uh, so normally you just see you. you this is skull and crossbones, which honestly, if anything, looks like something out of a Disney movie. Yeah. It's fucking cute. Right. <laughs> And then, of course, you show the other typical stuff, like 666 and somebody spray-painted Ozzy on oh, the wall. One of, uh, the other one said, death chamber, point of no return. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is clearly some teenage punk asses who are trying to be edgy. Exactly. This is in New Iberia. And the population around that time, according to this blog, was around 32,000 32, people. And the average household income was around 12K. So there's nothing to do in that podunk fucking town. So a bunch of fucking teenagers just spray painted shit on the wall. That's all it is. And then he talks about animal mutilation and satanic graffiti and other places in the US and how it's some epidemic, but then has zero context to it. They're like, where is any of this? Do not know. Uh, the guy who did this blog, he did some research, and the only thing he found was some investigation of Satanism was happening in uh, Cornish uh, about, like, three dead pigs, but that's it. And there was nothing, like, really concrete about any of that. So all that is is just fucking bored teenagers, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's... Yeah, I agree. So, then he talks about some other different types of murders, uh, and so he talks about the Teresa Simmons murder, and uh, apparently... So he talks about there was a murder committed by Robert McIntyre, Melissa Ernest, and Terry Belcher. All three were tried and convicted to life in prison. It was stated that the trio also committed satanic rituals on their victim... He goes on to say that they stabbed their victim to death, drank her blood, and danced around her dead body. Now, the three individuals were indeed sentenced for the crimes, but the trio took Teresa Simmons to a barn to listen to heavy metal and smoke pot. They then committed satanic rit rituals taken from LaVey's satanic Bible and strangled Simmons to death. The cause of death was confirmed by the coroner. 
But what Geraldo doesn't go into is that the two girls ran away from the group home they lived in. They were picked up by Belcher while while hitchhiking. And it was only Belcher that claimed that he was a Satanist, claimed that he was a high priest with 11 followers. But he was 16 years old. Yeah, I think we can deduce that he, he was doing this for attention and, and maybe some sexual favors, you know? Yeah. This, this, this guy wants to get laid. So he, the reason why he killed Simmons was because she was rejecting him. She was not into it. She wasn't turned on by his Satanist act. I don't know why how, why anybody would be, really. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the footage of, of Anton LaVey in the, in the past, it looks like a fucking corny Halloween show. So, the case was actually appealed in 1992 and 2000. Uh, the 1992 appeal was filed by Ernest and pointed out that Melissa never really got to testify on her behalf. The prosecution made a number of inappropriate comments at one point and at another point tossed Teresa's clothing in her face, causing her to go into hysterics, which is not, I, I don't know about you, Josh. I don't think that's the proper way to uh, do prosecution in, in, in court. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound um, by the books. So while the 2000 appeal was filed by McIntyre, it points out that one of the main witnesses for the prosecution was Terry Belcher himself. And that he was not a credible witness. The only evidence of Satanism they had were drawings. One was simply a knife stabbed through a heart and Belcher's statements. So, yeah, I, I don't really yeah, I don't really see this being there's much to this. Also, think about this. This is something that you I, I think is rather common with some of these crimes. A lot of these people are claiming it was Satan or there was some Satanism angle so they can maybe get off. You know, so maybe they can get something taken off their sentence so they can be considered to be uh, not all there from from uh, a mental uh, perspective. So uh, th th so they can claim mental illness. What better way to sound like you're crazy than Satan? Satan told me to do it. I heard Satan tell me to to kill the kill these kill the kill that kid. So Geraldo then talks about the case of uh, Scott Whitehouse, who killed a 12-year-old girl named Giselle Coates. Uh, the report states that if, you know, and of course the, the, the uh, special on Geraldo says, the talk, it, it puts to rest talk about a satanic cult in town, but there isn't much that's said about the case. It, it just isn't really that detailed. But it was revealed in court, though, that Scott Whitehouse is obsessed with the 15-year-old girl that he went to school with and sent her threatening letters. He did purchase a satanic Bible and claimed that he was a Satanist. The trial focused on if this was admissible or not, and regardless, it played a recorded interrogation with Whitehouse and the police. Whitehouse stated that he enjoyed Satanism because you could, he, he, you could do whatever made you feel good. However, he points out that Satanism doesn't advocate murder. Clearly, the guy used it as an excuse to indulge in LSD and marijuana, which is another common thread. Another thing that came out in court was that one of the last letters he sent to the 15-year-old girl was one telling her to wear a purple outfit. On the day he murdered Giselle Coat, the little girl was wearing a purple outfit. There were zero evidences of a satanic cult as well. It was just Scott Whitehouse. So there's no cult, Geraldo. It's just, unless, there's, unless you can have a cult of one. That's a pretty lame cult. <laughs> a cult of one can be fun. <laughs> so then he talks about uh, Gary Lohrers. 
and Ricky, Ca- you know, Ricky Casso, who is the one that a lot of people at this time were using as the face of Satanism or teenage devil worship at the time, because uh, Ricky Casso worships Satan and he gouged out the victim's eyes. But, of course, he doesn't really reveal that much info about the case, because if he did, then you would see something completely different. Ricky Cazzo was a huge drug addict. So the media went crazy about this. They focused on the whole Satanism angle, except for David Breskin, who was a reporter for Rolling Stone. Uh, He interviewed local teenagers, and he learned a lot of what made Ricky Cazzo tick, and it had very little to do with Satan. Casso was a high school dropout who was kicked out of his family home due to his bad behavior. His parents twice tried to get him committed into an insane asylum, but for whatever reasons, doctors didn't think he was psychotic and would release him. Ricky was into a hell of a lot of drugs. Okay, he was into LSD, PCP, and angel dust, among other powerful narcotics. And the... the, uh, they show the footage of him when he's arrested, and he looks like he's fucking high, doesn't he? Like, this kid looks like he's fucking loaded as soon as he's being loaded into the back of a police car. Yeah. So, he also did a lot of his own products. So, he, he also made drugs and, and more than likely probably sold them, too. He was delusional because he probably didn't have that many brain cells left after all the fucking drugs he was doing. He thought the devil was talking to him, but he only did that while he was high. He did dabble in Satanism, but this postdated his addiction to drugs. Uh, so, one claim states that he was the leader of the Knights of the Black Circle, which is just—I'm sorry. This sounds like one of the, this sounds like a really lame D and D group. Sounds like a, lar- right? a LARPing group. LARPing group. Knights of the Black Lightning Circle. Bull. You know what's crazy is like I'm running into more and more motherfuckers who tell me that they are into LARPing or they they have LARPed in the past. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, that's live action role play. That's where you dress up like the knight with the with the wooden sword. And I mean, I don't mind playing role playing games because I played Call of Cthulhu recently for one of my classes, and I actually had a lot of fun with it. So I can see why people you know play role playing games with the dice and and so on and so forth, but. The live action thing, I, I you know, it, it it's it's kind of like what I used to do by myself when I was a kid, and I would just like play around with Nerf guns and think I was John McClane. Like, it's like I just can't. As I you're just, an adult, if you're an adult, it's just kind of it is kind of. Strange. I can't help for my my inner bully is screaming out to just be like, <laughs> "Nerds, you fucking nerds! Never gotten laid before, bunch of virgins, nerds!" Like. <laughs> I just I can't help it and I'm like stop it Josh that's not that's not the right way anymore we've reformed fucking nerds goddamn nerds <laughs> sorry I, yeah I mean so I can't help it anytime LARPing comes up I mean I just I can't I can't it's hard to suppress that inner that that high school or junior high bully that I that I've thought I suppressed many also years ago. going back to the Ricky Castle case the murder of Gary Lawers was not actually part of some ritual sacrifice like Geraldo wants you to believe. It was over a drug debt that Gary owed to Casso. The two were high as fuck when anything <laughs> uh, in terms of a conflict occurred. And after the murder, Casso brought people to the shallow grave he dug until people someone reported it to the police. 
So prior to his arrest, he was telling people he was going to go clean, go back to school and get his life back in order. But after his arrest, he hung himself in his cell. This just sounds like a kid who wasn't some sort of leader of some hidden satanic cult. He was just a kid who got into drugs, got addicted, completely ruined his life, hit the lowest point in his life, committed some crime uh, that he wasn't necessarily all there and was just upset. There was some drug deal that went wrong, killed a friend, and then he returned to the scene of the crime with people there because he felt guilty. So I don't really think that Ricky Casso is this uh, devil-worshipping uh, kid with a bloodlust as much as this special says, and as much as a lot of people at that time said that he was. I don't know why I'm not recalling any of these cases that you're talking about right now. It's like, I just got done watching this documentary, or this, not fucking documentary, it's the opposite of a documentary, <laughs> but this show, so, oh, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. So he mentions, uh, so Geraldo then continues to mention more, more of these murders. So he mentions uh, the Sullivan murder suicide. Uh, he interviews Jefferson Township Detective Paul Hart, who was a, a Vietnam vet. He details the murder of Mary Sullivan, who was allegedly murdered by her 14-year-old son, Tommy. As it was reported, Tommy was into Satanism and the occult. One night he stabbed his mother to death and then committed suicide. Oh yeah, that I do remember, because they're talking about how he, he cut her face off and all this shit. And about Tommy's wounds, Detective Hart said this, his first self-inflicted wounds were a series of wounds to his wrists. Three, if I can remember correctly, deep enough to sever the arteries and the tendons in his arms, enough to snap back his wrist. Then after doing that, he literally slit his throat from ear to ear with his three and a half inch knife from the windpipe all the way to the spinal column to the point of almost taking his head off. Now, this is a really grisly case uh, that is uh, discussed here. I will have to say this, though. Whenever they're talking about these murders or they're talking about these kids who uh, were into Satanism, like the drawings they show are always comical. They really are. I thought the particular uh, drawing of the um, guy throwing a baby against the wall uh, yeah. just reminds me of all those dead baby jokes, you know? Like, yeah. Just thought, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I got a pretty sick mind, so I'm... So Geraldo tells the audience that Tommy's father, Thomas Sullivan Sr., and his surviving brother left the state because they were unable to live with the gruesome deaths that happened in their home. And then it cuts to a clip of Sullivan... And he says he's not sure if he can ever forgive his son since he murdered his wife. And Rivera then begins to, you know, just make shit up, pull shit out of his ass as usual, where he's like, well, why would a good kid from a Christian school in a good neighborhood? How could this kid become a satanic killer? And then he talks to De Detective Hart. And then he says something that's really fucking uh, tone deaf. So he goes in and he asks Hart, he says, have you ever seen this level of brutality when you served in Vietnam? And it's like, Geraldo, you fucking asshole. And this is a guy who does not need you to try to bring back fucking memories of Vietnam, you piece of shit. So Hart skirts around the question he says that he hasn't seen anything like this in the kind of neighborhood he patrols. 
So basically, he says, yes, you motherfucker, I did see things like this in Vietnam. <laughs> Thanks for giving me P- PTSD again. Yeah, for the sake of you your piece for the, of fucking For the shit. sake of your show getting better ratings by making it that much more sensationalized. Geraldo's such a tool, man. Like, is he respected by anyone? Has he? I don't think he's ever been. Ever since he opened Capone's vault and there was nothing in there, I think he's. Well, just- you see that. Well, that happened before this special. Now he he first got big because he actually he went into a school for the mentally retarded that was already known to have poor conditions. So he went in there and just did an expose and showed that there were there were kids who were covered in their own shit and other things and just really horrific stuff and that's what made him big going into a school that was already known to be full of just horrible fucking conditions and then grilling people you know who worked there so kind of sounds like low hanging fruit to me it is it is so anyway now, Tommy definitely does seem like a kid who was very disturbed. And when you dig deeper into this case, it sounds it, it doesn't something just doesn't sound right. So according to the reports, while Tommy's father and younger brother were sleeping upstairs, Tommy stabbed his mother to death in the basement, tried to start a fire on the couch, allegedly to burn the rest of the family alive. But that didn't work. So Tommy then tried to escape in the family car, but he couldn't figure out how to get it to work, so he left it rolling down the driveway. His father and brother are woken up by the smoke detector, and according to Sullivan, he was running downstairs to find the fire, and he heard the front door close and decided to go out and chase after what he believed lit the fire. He found nobody, but witnessed his driverless car roll back into the street. He then got a neighbor to help him put out the fire when he noticed that his wife and son were unaccounted for, he then called the police. The story is unclear if Sullivan found the body of his wife before or after the police arrived. They didn't find Tommy, who allegedly died in the neighbor's backyard, until the following day. Searching Tommy's room, they found the drawings and a contract that Tommy allegedly wrote for Satan. And it does. It looks like, uh, you know, he's talking about how I believe the evil will once again take over the love of God. If this is packed, packed is to your approval, sign below. I remember seeing something on in that note, and they didn't focus on it very long. It said something about incest or something. I'm like, what? Yeah, something like what that. What are you talking about? So he, here's the thing. Tommy Sullivan was a Boy Scout, and according to Detective Hart, Tommy used a three-and-a-half-inch scout knife. Well, apparently, according to the scout shop, at least at the time when uh, this uh, the guy who runs his blog did, the, did his research... The only knife they sell meets the, meets the dimensions is the one that has all the other things in it. You know, the Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. And the length of the three and a half inches are when the blades are closed. There are two blades on this knife. The medium blade, two and one-fourth inches, and the small blade, one and one-fourth inches. So, apparently, according to this, this uh, police report, Tommy Sullivan managed to kill his mother with his knife without making any sort of sound whatsoever, then start a fire on the couch near his mother's dead body. He then stuck around long enough for a smoke alarm to go off. He Then he fled, just as his father was starting to get up to investigate. And I'm quoting this blog because this guy's uh, point of view is exactly how I feel about this. So, he then got into the family car, somehow put it into reverse, failed to figure out how to start it, and then he abandons the car 
without his father seeing him, who went outside after hearing the door close, then somehow gets into the neighbor's backyard, uses the same knife to cut his wrists and throat with the same weak knife. And here's the thing. This just seems implausible to me. Also, they say that he was able to cut through his wrist tendons and arteries, but was still able to cut his own throat. But you can't control your fingers if you cut your wrist tendons. And the reports say that he cut both of his wrists. Well, if he cut down to the tendon, he couldn't cut both of his wrists because his hands would not be able to work. And if he cut his wrist properly, he would have bled out. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not exactly, I don't think it's exactly simple to, like, with a fucking Swiss Army knife to just cut through yourself like that. I mean, it would take, especially, like, if, if he did the neck after cutting both wrists. I mean, sorry if this is graphic, folks. I, I'm, I'm, like, visualizing all this right now. I'm getting really grossed out. But um, it would take a bit of strength, I would imagine, that you just probably wouldn't, and especially if you're not used to, like, seeing yourself like cut open like and blood's going everywhere i don't know man it's like are you gonna have the wherewithal to like then like almost cut your own head off i feel like you're the human body has a bunch of like basic things in your brain in in play to not allow you to do that to yourself i mean yeah slit mm -hmm. your wrists yeah but i mean to actually like cut your own head off i don't i don't know Fucking, that was gross. I don't think he could have done that anyway with that Swiss Army knife Let, and with hands that would be completely inoperable. Let's take a after cutting his tendons. Let's take a slight break from all this uh, heaviness to talk about uh, because in the spirit of the program, there were commercial breaks, and yeah. these commercials were just uh, were, were great. Um, so I was talking to Josh earlier. I was saying I, I swear these commercial breaks are are sentient, sentient, sentient. Like, like they, they are self-aware. You mean sentient? Sentient. That's what I meant to say. So, so I'm just gonna blame Satan for so that. So the first, the usual. first, uh, <laughs> the first commercial is for a movie called The Accused, which is what they're doing a lot of accusing on this show. Exactly. Uh, Geraldo That's the first is doing uh, thing you see at an ad break is the TV spot for the Yeah, news. with it's so Geraldo perfect. being the ju judge, jury and executioner on this program. By the way, Mike, is The Accused a good movie? Yeah, it's actually really good. Can you tell me anything about it? Uh it, it's a, a a drama. It deals with a, a girl, I think she's a prostitute who was raped. And yeah, it's pretty heavy, but it's good. The next commercial we had uh, was for the Canon EOS 750, um, <laughs> and it's just very old school 90s commercial. But I will say, though, that line of cameras, the EOS or EOS, however you want to say it, that that line is still around to this day. Uh, this huh. this was for a SLR, a, a regular film camera, though, however, a more high end camera for the time. Um, now they have the Canon EOS, um, but they're... Um, they're digital now, and I I shoot all my YouTube videos with a Canon 70D, so it's oh. a good camera. And then they had a commercial for a Summer's Eve uh, women's care. Uh, <laughs> so, um, it, Which, in other words, douche. Yes. Which is perfect, because, like I said earlier, Geraldo is a giant douche. This guy is a giant douche, so it, it, it just... 
it's perfect that there's a commercial for a douche. Yes. In his special. And then they have um they had a commercial for the National Enquirer. <laughs> what is up with that, the theme songs and all it's like, you know, like just that uh like those just any kind of TV show you've seen where they're mocking like 90s commercials with these like really extra corny theme songs like, you know, women's hair care in your hair gonna make you feel good everywhere. Like that's literally <laughs> there was a song like that. For me personally, I, I, I prefer that, though, than like some of these boring advertisements you get nowadays. Like, yeah, it's corny, but you I know, feel like all, all commercials kind of nowadays have way. to be like super witty and in like deadpan and ironic. And I don't know. But so, so this is audio from the National Enquirer commercial. Check it out. Princess Di blasts heartless Fergie for deserting her new baby. Enquire Within. We've got what you want, the way that you want it. Enquire Within. TV's designing women star Delta Burke warned, lose weight or be fired. Enquire Within. Top secret Dallas photos of JR in prison. 19 million people made a fortune for a plan. Like what? What? That's a National Enquirer. Why are they like? I know. Why? Why are they singing a Mentos jingle right now? <laughs> and then they have. Well, I just said uh, it's so perfect. It, it's so perfect that there's a National Enquirer advertisement for and and an ad break for this special because a lot of this shit would be in the yeah, National sensationalized Enquirer. headline grabbing <laughs> Satanists murdered nine children. So then they have this other this hair commercial. And it's got that same corny ass, like Huey Lewis sounding the more. Uh, it, just listen, this is. I don't know about Huey just Lewis. Just listen but, to this yeah. shit. With your own shining light, highlight your hair with what's naturally there. There and there, natural highlights. It sounds like Michael Bolton. Yeah. Yours with House of Swedish Botanical Shampoo, Marigold for blondes, Ginger Root for redheads, Walnut Lees for brunettes. Hi. Highlight your life in your hair. Like, <laughs> dude, what happened to those commercials? Rest in peace to, to people's eardrums. Holy yeah, shit. Sorry about that. I'll probably fix that in, in post. <laughs> but yeah, the, this, 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 um, doc, or God, why do I keep wanting to call it? It's the opposite of a documentary. It's not this, this special, this TV show. Yeah. Uh, it was worth watching just for the fucking commercials alone. Mm -hmm. So we go back to the special and Geraldo brings in Detective Hart and he at some point blank. He says, do you believe that Tommy Sullivan was p possessed? And then Paul Hart's face is is priceless. He's just like he looks at him like, gotta be fucking kidding. Why would you ask me that such a question like that? And then he tries to keep a serious face, which is difficult. And he says, I think possession is a state of mind. He says, it would have been I, it would have been a hell of an interview if we found Tommy. And then he stammers off, <laughs> reminding that everyone that Tommy was dead. And then after an awkward bit of silence, Hart raises his eyebrows and says, that's all I got, really. So then Geraldo skips it. Just goes in, goes to his next guest, and he's got this reverend named Reverend James Labar. Now, he was a member of the New York uh, Archdiocese at the time, and when asked if he believes in demonic possession, Labar agrees. 
He goes on to say that it has happened all throughout the centuries, and it still happens to this day, but he doesn't cite any examples. And apparently, he was given this, this uh, role as archdiocese because he wrote a book called Cult, Sex, and the New Age in 1989. That's all he did. He just wrote a book, and they're like, well, here's an archdiocese position. Yeah. So yeah, he's very credible. But yeah, but that's all that's all like that's all like, you know, your average dumbass watching at that time, that's all they would need to know to be like, well, yeah, you know, it's just like the people who read something off the internet and be like, well, the internet said it, you know, so that's true. Yeah. It's like that's like And then they then it's yeah. like the old school version of that, basically. So Geraldo goes to Sean Sellers next. So he killed his mother, stepfather, and a convenience store clerk. He claims that he was demonically possessed by the devil, hence why he commit, committed those, crime, those uh, crimes. He was also the youngest person in America to be placed in death row when he was only 17. While in Oklahoma State Prison, he found God. He found Jesus. So when asked what Satan had to do with killing the convenience store clerk, Sean says this, Satanism was a murder... Uh, the murder was was because uh um how can I say this so you can understand it? It was a sacrifice to prove allegiance to Satan, to prove um my uh hatred towards society and everything. That sounds very uh, legit, doesn't it? Like he's really confident what he's saying. There. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a rehearsed line. That was so. The convenience store clerk he killed, Robert Bauer, was shot and killed because he refused to sell Sean and his friend Richard Hauer a case of beer. So he shot him because he wouldn't give him beer, not because of some Satanist thing. It sounded like, Be- it sounded like Beavis and Butthead robbed the store. <laughs> give me some beer, you bunghole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll shoot your ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead is Satanists. <laughs> Satan rules. He rules. So a year later, he shot and killed his stepfather and his mother while they slept. The motivation for these killings has changed over the years. The variation of the stories play out through various stories published by the Oklahoma News through 1986 and 1999. His reasoning for committing the murders changed drastically. Incidentally, each story, every time he was up for parole and tried to get his death sentence commuted. First of all, when he reported the death of his parents, the police determined that he staged the crime scene to look like a break and enter. His lawyer even went so far to say that his client did not commit the crime. On September 26, 1986, he stated that he was angry at his parents. He stated that he was a Satanist, but didn't say anything about possession at this point. The next day, the story changes. He wanted to start his own Satanic cult called The Elimination. That's his story now. The Elimination. Sounds like some like bad Nickelodeon like uh, real live action video game show in the nineties or something. Wasn't there that thing in guts? Wasn't it called the Eliminator? I don't remember. I'm I, I'm thinking it might have been something called the Eliminator, or or that's or that was American Gladiators. Maybe it's American Gladiators. I think it was American Gladiators. <laughs> it was like one of one of the. Well, I think like the final round was the Eliminator. <laughs> Who's going to survive the Eliminator on American Gladiators? <laughs> so the only thing this testimony has to do with Elimination is the fact that it's full of shit. I agree. This guy is pretty funny. So on the 30th, they, they then claim that Sean was slowly brainwashed by Dungeons and Dragons. 
I mean, for fuck's sake. He then tried to convince the jury that he sold his soul to Satan, saying that he didn't remember the killing. The jury didn't buy this bullshit, and uh, by October 6th of that year, Sean was found guilty. Then, on a dime, he renounces Satan and says he found Jesus. And then after he was sent to prison, he suddenly remembers killing everybody. He then does an interview for People magazine, and then he claims that all of these murders were sacrifices to Satan, and that he was now hearing vo voices in his head that he thought were demons. He then, of course, complained about his abusive childhood, and so on and so forth. And he is just an attention whore. So he was getting all of his attention already. So then he, of course, when he was given the chance to be on this special, he jumped at it. And then he collaborated on a best-selling book based on his story. Oh, God. This is just... This is... This has just got corruption and bullshit just written all over it with all this financial incentive everywhere. Yeah, and then he wrote a second book warning children against Satanism. And he was trying to become some sort of folk hero. And so the prison board rejected his parole because they saw through his bullshit. They were like, we see right through this crap. He was rejected. And then he tried to... You know, he said that he was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, and that was the reason why he killed his family. Now, there is evidence that says that he suffered from MPD. The The police, you know, they still rejected his appeal. Then he says he wasn't possessed by a demon anymore, but governed by three personalities named Danny, Ninja, and the Controller. Ninja, eh? And the Controller. Well, the, I think the fourth personality should have been Virgin. <laughs> So then he tries to make some sort of request for forgiveness, changes his crime, changes his story again, doesn't take ownership of crimes, tries to do the mental illness thing. And then the prison staff says that he's manipulative and then he never apologized for his crimes before he was executed. He was executed on February 4th, 1999. He told the families of his victims to find God because all they felt was hate. Yeah, because it's their fault. Sean's scumbag sellers over here. So after Sean Sellers and his just, you know, bullshit story, we get to the next thing that is discussed on this special. And we get Tom Wedge, this fat fuck, who was was there right with Sean Sellers when uh he was being interviewed uh via satellite. So Tom Wedge was a former deputy sheriff for Logan County, Ohio. Since 1975, this fat fuck decided to take it upon his fat ass to study up on Satanism and the occult in order to train police forces on the subject. He wrote a book called The Satan Hunter in 1987. Why isn't that a show that on TLC right now? I mean, that's just <laughs> the kind of garbage that's right up their alley. Yeah. Right after Ghost Adventures or, with Zach Baggins, we have, like, the Satan Hunter. Well, that's on Travel Channel. Oh, whatever. Yeah. You get the, my point. It's all trash. But, yeah. Right after Ghost Adventures. Tonight on the Satan Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to an abandoned salt mine, and we're going to light a fucking candle and see what happens. And your stupid ass is going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote a book called The Satan Hunter. In 1987, that offered his expert knowledge on the Satan, on Satanism and the occult. And apparently, according to somebody who actually read this book, 
it's uh he says the only person I would think who would be remotely interested in this book is a cop who knows absolutely nothing about ritual crime. The author claims to be an expert and has dealt with occult crime regularly, but never explains or reveals the details of any of these cases. Which totally makes sense. Uh, he, uh, apparently, the book was not didn't do that well, but he tried to give seminars to law enforcement officers, which he was doing at the time for a fee of $350 per person. Per, per What the fuck? Damn, we're in the wrong field, Mike. We yeah. could be mi uh, m mystery experts and and give speeches. <laughs> Although I, I think after the, the first few lines people would quickly realize that we are we are not experts. So so this is the quote from uh Tom Wedge. Well, Geraldo uh, Sean, in that particular situation, uh, uh, Sean Sellers, he had broken every one of the Ten Commandments except thou shalt not commit murder. And after he worshipped before the altar and was asked for power from Satan, he went out to do this. Technically, it was a human sacrifice. Technically, it's bullshit. <laughs> so then he talks about, Geraldo goes in and talks about the Stephen Newberry murder. And uh, so he goes to the town of Carl Junction, Missouri, town of about 4,000 people at the time in the heart of the Bible Belt, apparently a hotbed for Satan worshipers. He shows the typical images of graffiti and mutilated animals. He then starts going to the Stephen Newberry murder where three teenagers, Jim Hardy, Pete Rowland and Ron Clements beat Stephen Newberry to death. Geraldo sits down and has an interview with one of the killers, Pete Rowland. Uh, this is the jock-looking guy. Pete explains that he used Satanism to try and get power, money, and women. To which Geraldo replies, You're a good-looking guy. Smart. Wouldn't you have those things anyway? I think he's got a point. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know. that's it. And then Pete's answer was, uh, it, it, just, uh, it just seemed easier with the devil. <laughs> I, I almost... I... <laughs> I just I I don't know what to say about that guy. I just can't stand that 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 type. Yeah. And then cuts the police footage of Pete going over the crime scene with the police officers, which is hilarious, because Geraldo states that Pete and his friends committed the murder as a part of a satanic sacrifice. And then they show the fucking footage where he's like doing impressions. He's like, uh, he was still moaning a little bit and going. Uh, 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 kind of like that <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry yeah I know he's talking about a murder but it's 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 comical like he's wearing a fucking purple sweater and green pants and he's going uh. <laughs> so it was kind of then he's uh Geraldo then goes in and, and continues to interview this guy uh, he they, they cut they cut to his mother Penny, who comments on how her son became withdrawn, and the rest of the family and would listen to heavy metal. And earlier in the interview with Pete, he says, you know, he started by killing animals. He then blames it on heavy metal music and drugs. He believes the devil was inside him and that it drove him to commit these horrific acts. And the mother, it's like, oh my god, like this is so the typical. This is so, so aggravating to see because you know there were a lot of mothers who were watching that special, being like, yes, yes, totally, 
It's totally the truth. So yeah, the mom's being interviewed and she talked about the music and she said, when I saw the album covers, they were hideous. And it's showing Iron Maiden's number of the Beast album cover on the screen. Yeah. And I'm like, whatever, dude, that album, that album artwork is amazing. Like the, the artist is, that drew yeah. that is incredible. Like, you know, I get it's got like a shock factor if you're all like superstitious and uber religious, but just from an artist artistic standpoint, man, it's like, I don't know, man. People are such critics, I guess, you know, like they can't appreciate. No, 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 they thought it was, they didn't think it was hideous in that respect. They were, they thought it was hideous because of the fact that of what it represented. You know, it's hideous because of Satan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My aunt used to be like that. When it came to buying us action figures, she's like, nothing that's devilish. That was always her word. <laughs> no, that one's too devilish. <laughs> what about devil's food cake? Too devilish. <laughs> How about a deviled egg? Too devilish. <laughs> so, um, Geraldo then, of course, rolls with this nonsense about heavy metal being a doorway for the devil. And he asked Pete what the music did to him. And this is Pete's response. It was kind of like when we killed animals. It's, it's like things would go through my mind. I could see my thoughts. See myself hurting people, you know, torturing people just along with the words, too. It was all hail Satan, ripping apart, severing flesh, gouging eyes, things like that, you know? And after that, you listen to three or four hours a day for years and months, and it could get to you. If you're stupid. <laughs> he then goes on to say that they picked Steve Newbury as their victim only because he was human and that they could deceive him easily. Then, uh, when describing the brutal assault on Newbury... Pete recounts his victim asking, why me? And the response for them was, because it's fun, Steve. <laughs> I like I like how they're still just calling him by his name. Because it's fun, Steve. Steve Are you not having fun, too? Steve? <laughs> Come on, Steve. So, st <laughs> so Steve then tells Geraldo that he can't believe his hands were the ones that committed the murder and that he feels like a zombie. And then Geraldo... Uh, he continues to roll with this and he's like, he says, you know, so the devil double-crossed you. And then Steve agrees with him. He's like, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> then you go back to the mom who admits that she didn't pay attention to the things that she should have. However, she blames it on the album cover saying, I thought they sell it, so it's gotta be okay. And then she says that she thought her son was going through a phase, and then she warns parents that it's not, and that their kids will never get over it. <laughs> Come on. Heavy metal music does not cause these kinds of fucking shit to happen, okay? If somebody goes in and does some of the sadistic shit that Roland over here, that Pete did, um, it's not heavy metal to mu music to blame for it okay it's it's more than likely something that's going on in their own brain before they even started listening to music that's like that's like for whenever there's a trend going on on a large scale you're gonna have a lot of people that are into that trend at that time it happened to be heavy metal and there are going to be some people within that trend who take it too far or who already have a mental illness and they do something stupid and then the trend's going to get blamed. Like, that would be like when rap became 
huge or, or or like now how rap is like the main you know form of music on top 40 radio and like someone goes out and does a drive-by shooting because they they glamorize murder and a lot of rap songs it's it's like mm-hmm. are you, you going to go and and blame rap for that it's like you could but chances are that person probably would have done something fucked up even if they had never listened to rap it's like the their certain people's minds are more open and receptive to do bad and do harm and they just need some kind of like trigger or some kind of catalyst to like bring that yep. bring that to the forefront and and if so, it wasn't if it wasn't heavy metal music it would have been something else you know mhm so at this point folks you think we're an hour in we're not this is actually only 30 minutes into the special so well, we, we might have um, to break this into a part two because we're coming. We might have to break this up into a couple in, we're parts. We're coming into at, at, at the two hour mark here, and I'm fucking starving. So, <laughs> which is fine because it's a two hour long documentary. So, I mean, right? Not documentary, uh, why do so. we want to keep calling it that? Because we've we've watched documentaries constantly. It's like when I when I try to review anything that's not a movie, and I'm like, well, this movie, damn it, I'm talking about a TV show. Or, or I'm talking about a video game, or I'm talking about something else. All right, Mike, we'll book, bookmark so, where we left off, and we'll get to that next week. And you guys are just going to have to satiate your appetite with part one for right now. Um, eventually, for in this Satanic Panic series, I want we do want to talk about the Michelle Remembers book as well, which I'm like halfway through, so it shouldn't be a huge deal for me to just finish that book yeah. in a few days. A few dump yeah. sessions on the toilet. I ought to have that one knocked out. <laughs> um, uh, also, I think uh, talking about uh, the Mick Martin uh, preschool case would be a good thing to talk about as well. And then some point, you know, we'll look through the Satanic Panic segments that are featured on Unsolved Mysteries and maybe do like a quick little top whatever list or something. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I think we definitely have plenty of content for for this week. Yeah, I thought it was gonna take a bit because there there is a lot. It's not. I just... didn't know it was gonna go so goddamn in depth about every single little thing on there, but uh, you know, whatever. It actually helped, I think. So. The devil is in the details. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Oh my god! All right, guys, if you want to find us on Patreon and support the show that way. You can find us at patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Join our Facebook group. Uh, just go to the Facebook tab and search uncovering unexplained mysteries. Join our group. You have two questions to answer. And they're both yes or no fucking questions. But you'd be surprised the amount of people who don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. Do are you joining this group because you listen to the uncovering unexplained mysteries podcast? Yes or no. You would be amazed the amount of other answers I get besides yes or no. Uh, so anyway, that's a group that you can join. There's a, a very active and vibrant fan community going on there, so you should totally do that. Um, you can find us on YouTube individually. by uh, You can find Mike uh, by searching youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's a movie guy. He talks about movies. What was the last movie you talked about, Mike? Halloween, John Carpenter's immortal classic, 
Halloween. And uh, what what did you think about it? It's a classic film. It's excellent. Like I mean, it, it's one of the quintessential horror films. It is a it is legendary in status and for good reason. Ah, very nice. I like hearing you talk positively about movies every now and then. Well, there's a lot of positive talk in there. <laughs> so, all right, you can find me on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash/dancingwithghosts. The last video I did was my my third annual Halloween video, and it was me rating the Resident Evil video game series worst. I thought it was really well put together. Worst to best. Uh, surprised you didn't have Resident Evil Survivor on there. Well, like I said in the beginning of the video, I was leaving out the side franchises. Yeah, the side franchises. I was only talking yeah. about the mainline games, so. You know, I rate the worst Resident Evil games all the way up to the best. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the Resident Evil series, Mike, but uh, did you agree with my... Not that much, but I, I, I got the gist of it. Even though I wasn't that familiar, oh, okay. I thought it was still a really well put together video. Just uh, wondering if you were inspired by uh, Angry Video Game Nerds uh, review of Resident Evil Survivor. I actually wasn't. Like I was I was needing to, like, so I do a Halloween-themed video every Halloween. It's something I did the very first year I had my, well, it might not have been the first year I had my channel, but the second year I had my channel, I did a Halloween video. And so... I try to post at least a horror film review yeah, on Halloween. Yeah, I, I do the whole, like, I decorate, you know, with the lights and everything, and I use a different filter on my video to make it look different, and I go all out with it. And last year, I did a movie review for Saw, which I thought I did a great job on, but it's one of my lesser viewed videos. So, but that's probably just because there's just so many fucking Saw reviews out there. Um, yep. The one I did before was a review of um, uh, ghost shows that are on TV, and they all. That was one of my favorites. That was really Thank good. Thank you. Uh, that was was a lot of work, and it clocked in it. Because I've seen other videos someone tried to do, which I thought was going to be similar to that, but even more in-depth, and it was just him doing a bunch of fucking skits and shit and trying to be like, whoa, I'm going to make my own shitty ghost show. Oh, God. That sounds awful. While I'm, talking, while I'm reviewing or, or criticizing shitty ghost shows. Yeah, so when, yeah, when this year you. came around... I was like, well, what am I going to do for Halloween? You know, I got to do a Halloween episode. And I had all these CDs of pre-recorded Resident Evil footage that I recorded in like 2015 because I, wow. I was going to do some big Resident Evil video. And Cause I was like wondering where that foot because that was pretty good footage. I was like, how did you get that? So, well, know, the sad thing is quick. It, the, there's even more story behind what ultimately ended up happening. Technical technical issue wise with all this. But um, uh -huh. I was I, what I didn't do when I was playing the Resident Evil games, I got so into playing them, I stopped taking time codes of everything. So Ooh. when an event would happen that I would want to talk about, I just wouldn't even write down the time code on the DVD-R that was recording the footage. So I ended up with like all these CDs of Resident Evil footage that I had no idea. They had no time code. So... <laughs> I would have literally had to have rewatched my own gameplay uh, footage to look for things to talk about. Because that's how you, if you're doing a video game review, you, you need the fucking time codes for when you're recording the footage. Okay, at eight minutes and three seconds, the zombie came out. I want to talk about that. 
I didn't write any of that shit down. So yeah. basically, you could do that, or you could just do live commentary, yeah. like like some people do. Yeah, but those I don't know. Those are like hours long, and I just uh, I don't like I don't <laughs> like that long form. Uh, to me, that's just so boring watching someone else play video well, games. Well, for what I would do, I I would do I would split it into parts. I'm not doing it for hours, yeah. you know. And I mean, uh, either way, the footage by the time in 2018 when I was ready to finally do a make a video involving resident evil those discs you know they were recorded on composite cables onto a dvd or burner whatever so it's probably pain in the ass to get the footage yeah the video quality looked like shit it was a pain to get the video the videos off the discs and and get it onto my computer so unfortunately for the first time i had to use somebody uh, i had to use gameplay footage from somebody else who i did credit at the end um that's okay yeah but it happens i didn't want to do it but you know i i've played all those games and beaten them but i just there was just i had to get the fucking video out and there was no way i was going to play through all the resident evil games and beat them and then you know talk so yeah yeah, but anyway well if you haven't seen the avgn video yet you definitely should because that's that's i'm pretty sure yeah no i've seen it and i was actually gonna do it like before he put that video out and then when he put it out it kind of solidified like okay Maybe maybe my video will get sucked up in those uh, recommendations, but, yeah. and it totally didn't fucking happen because the video's yet to even break a hundred fucking views, which is something that is chasing my YouTube. ass. It's YouTube's algorithm right now. They're fucking over a lot of people. Yeah, me, me included. And with their whole thing with Google Plus and how it was, you know, having issues, and they tried to shut it down. It, I think that's what caused YouTube to shut down a couple weeks ago was because they were trying to shut down Google Plus and YouTube is such an integral part of Google Plus now they don't know what to do so they're going to take forever you know trying to shut it down and le- certain parts of YouTube are going to remain broken or ineffective I mean I'm looking at my uh potential revenue and it's and it keeps going down like day every day like it was at like 50 some but now it's like I would then it went to 20 and then it went to five. I'm at zero right now zero nothing so yeah there's something going on with YouTube's algorithm so I wouldn't even bother trying to get monetization back I mean I I, I doubt it taken away but it's like why even bother it's at fucking zero <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not even doing it for the money. I just like to get the views, at least in the in the recognition for the hard work that I put into this shit. But it's I, like know. I don't. And it's I know. very it's, it's frustrating. Tough. It's it hard. makes you almost just want to say, fuck it. Let me just be a fucking vlogger because the vlogs get nearly as much views as my uh, fucking videos I put a lot of work into. But at the end of the day, I just enjoy, you know, making videos that way that are high production. Do what you want to do. And, you know, that that's that's my recommendation. Do what you want to do, because there's no sense making videos you're not passionate yeah. about. Even if you don't get to look for the right balance between my passion and also what's what's, you know, topically relevant and what's going to do well. Mm-hmm. It's hard sometimes, yeah. you know, I, I've literally like sat there and racked my brain for hours before just thinking of a fucking idea. Like, what can I do? Yeah. I don't have a specific. My channel isn't about any one specific thing so if i was just a video game youtuber i could be like oh let me just go to the game shelf and pick another game it's like no i, I you know like well i already did a video game video last week well what 
what TV show video game? But I mean, even with that, it's just not as, you know, it's, it's an oversaturated marketplace yes. on YouTube. Yes, it's like the upper 1% get all the recommendations and all the views, and then there's all this lower 99% who get jack dick in terms of I mean, of yeah, with, with, with reviews, like, it, it's got to be some popular movie or during the opening weekend or nobody really cares, but I've noticed. Yeah, that's how it is games and other shit too anyway i'm fucking starving i'm it's like 7 10 over here it's daylight savings oh, it's, time. it's pitch black in my house now fucking it's over i God, think I hate daylight savings time with a fiery passion but it's over isn't whatever it? the fuck's going on right now whatever this is where it gets <laughs> dark at four o'clock i fucking hate it so anyway this was a fucking just Big ass chunk of podcast for your ears. Hope that makes up for it being late. Uh, <laughs> until next time, have a good rest of your week and, you know, do your thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got no more fight left in me, Mike. Do your thing. All right. Yeah, keep doing that thing you do and uh, see ya. All right. What's up, everybody? Just want to remind everyone that my album, The Nightmare Inside You, is still up for sale, and we have new band t-shirts as well. All of this is in the description of this podcast, so check it out, and if you dig the music, maybe consider supporting me. Now, enjoy some more of the album. My sweet Satan. Okay. Mike's just putting that out there. No, because it's a it's it's a reference to that uh track in Stairway to Heaven that supposedly if you play the track backwards, oh god, you could hear My Sweet Satan, but it's just a fucking coincidence. Like yeah. it is not even it wasn't even done on purpose. Like actual band members of Led Zeppelin are like, why would we do that? Why would you know any, much- why would anybody like pains <laughs> write like go through the painstaking effort of writing lyrics in such a way, you know, to where if you somehow have the technology to play a song backwards at the correct uh-huh. speed, to where you can now you have that technology now with some some computer programs and shit. But back in the seventies, like you would have had to have like physically spun the record backwards with your finger and and done it at a consistent 33 rotations per minute or whatever Mm -hmm. to where you would have heard exactly what the message is like dude no band was doing that like nobody was doing that shit on purpose it was all coincidental that that uh you know, satanic panic freak out people were trying to derive more meaning than 
uh -huh. what was there. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Episode 115 of Pimsler's German 1. Hören Sie diese Gesprächs noch einmal zu? This is Ingrid. She is in a cafe. She asks, Hallo, kann ich Ihre Handy benutzen? Wiederholen Sie. Hallo, kann ich Ihre Handy benutzen? Sorry. Uh, don't ask what any of that was about. <coughs> Having some childhood flashbacks to my German one <laughs> language program. That's B-roll. <laughs> yeah, oh no, this whole thing's been B-roll, trust me. Um, all right, here we go. 